customer experience and fan engagement. That's our topic today on CXO Talk. We're talking with two of the top business leaders in the world. Kathy Engelbert is the commissioner of the WNBA, and my buddy Alicia Tillman is chief marketing officer of SAP. Welcome, both of you. Thank you, Michael. And Alicia, it's great to be here again with you. So happy to be here with you today. Kathy, tell us about the WNBA. Yeah, so after a 33-year career in business, I uh, just became the commissioner in July, so I'm like a little past 90 days now, and uh, the WNBA stands for the power of women. It's the only professional women's sports league to last over two decades. We just concluded our 23rd year, but we have a transformation ahead of us around the fan experience that you just talked about, Michael, the player experience, and the economics of the league. So I'm really looking forward to it. Fantastic. And Alicia, tell us about your role at SAP. I'm the Global Chief Marketing Officer. I've I've been in this role for a little over two years now, um, nearly five years at SAP. And I think the uh, simplest way to describe it is I'm accountable for the brand and the visibility of SAP, helping our customers understand the value that we deliver and also helping to grow the business. It's a 47-year-old brand with a story that is always changing based on the growth that we're having, whether it be organic growth or growth through acquisition. And we live in a marketplace that's always changing based on our customer needs and being able to constantly position the brand so that it's delivering the value that our customers want is ultimately what I spend my time on day in and day out. Well, customer experience is so important for each of you. So let's begin with fan experience. What do we mean by fan experience? Yeah, it's a great question, Michael. There's a a broad, maybe fan engagement might even be a better word because in sports, a lot of people talk about the experience driveway to driveway to the arena or curb to curb, I've heard. But I actually think it's more holistic than that. And and integrating technology into the fan experience is so important. And statistics and data and analytics um, are being driven by what I call the citizen data scientist now. The fan has become a citizen data scientist. So you go to any arena, stadium, and you see people, what are they doing? They're looking at their devices. And, you know, to integrate that experience and to have pop-ups and and have the analytics and probabilities pop up would be an amazing way to really do a holistic fan experience. Yeah, Kathy's describing what I think every leader in business today is focused on. And if they're not, they should be. Success today is all about the quality of the experience that you deliver to your customers, to your fans, to your spectators, and how we help um, use technology to support that so that we are not only creating a satisfying experience for our fans or our customers, But we're also doing something to have them keep coming back time and time again, and that's the loyalty effect. It's based on a variety of things, but I think notably we have this opportunity today with all of the data that we have on our customers to use it to help create an experience that they appreciate, that keeps them coming back and feeling satisfied and feeling loyal. I'm hearing this common set of themes around engagement, mobile devices, data. You spoke about citizen data scientists. How does this all come together? I mean, what's what's going on out there in the world that is shaping this? 
Well, Alicia talked about trust and the trust deficit. And if you think of the fans, sports has been a big uniter over time. And I think um, as I came from a three-decade career in business, it's not all that different from the business world where relationships met everything. And and one of the things that we have to think about as well, Kathy has said a few times, this notion of the power of the ecosystem. One of the biggest challenges that leaders have is if you think about data and how we store data, oftentimes it's stored in very separate, very fragmented systems across a company. And, and leaders spend an incredible amount of time and energy and resources trying to have some commonality and to draw a seamless approach across all of these systems so that we can really escalate and, and grow at such deeper levels of interaction to be able to, to tap in, into what this ecosystem can do for our brand. Especially with the AI, social, mobile, cloud, big data, analytics, AR, VR, blockchain. I mean, think about the power of all that, if you could integrate that with either within a company or in the ecosystem. So how does all of that apply to the WNBA? (laughs) Yeah. So again, we're um, in a, what I'll call a multi-dimensional transformation, whether it's sales and marketing capability, because we need more fans in our seats. We need more corporate sponsors. Less than 5% of all corporate sponsorship dollars in sports go to women's sports. Think about that. Um, less than 5% of all media coverage of sports is on women's sports. So if you're trying to transform, so to Alicia's point on the ecosystem, a league, a women's sports league that's been around for 23 years, you need participation from everyone to do that. And um, the fan experience is part of it. The player experience is part of it. But also the driving the economics of the league to capture more sponsorships, to capture more endorsements for our players because we know endorsement money goes in a big way to men professional athletes, but not so much to women. So you're looking across every facet of the league in order to figure out how do we how do we create a better experience for every one of our ecosystem and stakeholder partners? Yeah, and one thing about the W I've been very impressed with is the product on the court is great. You know, men and women alike who come to our game say, wow, this is a great level of basketball, much better than when I played, by the way. So there's no issue there. So a lot of times you look at your product and is your product the best product on the market? Ours is for women's basketball around the world. We have the best players, the best athletes. Do we have the marketing of our players to make them household names like the men have done very successfully? And also platforms are really important part of differentiating. So it isn't just the game. It's not just the product. It's not just one player or even 144 players. It's the platform that these players stand for, their social consciousness, their community mindedness, and marketing that more broadly amongst the the ultimate fans and the fans we're trying to bring in, which is more digital native, a younger fan, because you're, we're trying to do a set the league up for success and sustainability going forward. And we've got to bring in younger fans into our game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have this opportunity to do that and differentiate across a platform. We're also a small enough league that we can be a little more bold and pilot some things. We've actually piloted some rule changes that other sports leagues have adopted, but we need to look at what other sports leagues are doing, like soccer and and men's basketball, as well as other sports, and, and say, what could work here? And not everything that works in the men's game is going to work in the women's game. So, But we can be bold and pilot things because you know we are the WNBA, the only women's professional league that's been around over two decades. Alicia, Kathy was just talking about trust. And that's a term I hear you use a lot with respect to SAP and your brand as well. 
The thing that we have to be careful of when it comes to building trust with our customers, especially in this day and age today where we are we're gathering so much intelligence and information on on our customers, you know, where they're buying, how they're buying, their habits so that we can anticipate things. The challenge that we've had though, unfortunately over the most recent years is there's been an abuse of that. Um, we've seen many companies in the headlines that are abusing the use of customer data, um, uh, unbeknownst to the customer. Um, yet, y- you will have the customer say to you, if you're transparent in how you use my data and you're using it to help improve my experience, I'm okay with that. But the challenge is, is there has not been that transparency. And you know, as a global brand, we've always kept at our core because we know the importance of it. Um, and really it, the sense of, you know, when you have trust, you, you have lifelong relationships with each other. And so that's what's, what's always been a hallmark of the SAP brand. Talk about loyalty, customer yeah. loyalty. I don't think anybody could argue that when you're a fan of something, um, it is taking loyalty to a definition <laughs> that I think every business can learn from. I mean, I... I mean, being in the B2B space um, in particular, you know, we talk about our fans as customers, yet the dynamic is changing. We want our customers to be our biggest fans. And that's where you can learn from sports, you know, and, and Kathy had said it so well, you know, sports is a, a unifier. And, you know, we talked about how there's, there's a few things in life that can unify people across differences in cultures. Um, you know, sports is one, technology is another, dance and music. You know, these are things that unite cultures all over the world. And, you know, when we think about this notion of fandom and how do you, how do you achieve it, um, you know, I think we can both agree that the experience that you deliver and how you really get to the heart of what brings a fan there the first time and keeps them coming back time and time again, you know, these are emotional based interactions that you have, but it's no different from what I'm trying to do with the marketing strategy of SAP. You know, I want to talk about women in leadership, but first I have to ask you both a question, which is empathy. You're both talking about customer experience and understanding what your customers want. And so where does empathy fit in? Oh, it's such an important part of being a leader today, as is authenticity. So I'd say authenticity and empathy, because no matter what issue you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, and we all put out fires as leaders every day, you know, if you're an empathetic leader and an authentic leader, and I think it's particularly for the millennial and digital native generations, they can spot empathy, an empathetic leader and an authentic leader from miles away. And if you're not, you're just not going to be successful with those groups. It also means you have to really understand the definition of it and, and what it's not. Brene Brown, you know, has this wonderful video, which she's talked about, where she shows the difference between sympathy and empathy. And, you know, sympathy is when you're kind of up here looking down on somebody expressing sadness for them. Um, But you're not really there at the same level in the trenches, which is empathy. It's when you have that ability to kind of 
get down there on the same level with those that you're trying to connect with. And it starts with understanding them. You know, why do they show up at a WNBA game? You know, why do they purchase SAP technology? They, they, they do both because they have an appreciation for it. There is an alignment of values or things that they've grown up with or things that they feel are um, uh, inspire a certain emotion that they want to have when they interact with your product. Um, and, you know, being able to appeal to that and recognize it and learn from it, that's empathy. Yeah, and I think one of the things I've learned um, in my various different leadership roles is people want to want to feel like you've walked in their shoes a bit as yeah. you communicate. So you can be the most empathetic leader, but if you don't communicate, and I was a beneficiary of a apprenticeship model at Deloitte where I did walk in the shoes of our 100,000 people because I was once them. And when you get in front of them and you talk about how you were once them and how you know it's difficult, we require a high level of performance and long hours and lots of travel and then they, they feel more connected to you as a leader and they feel more motivated. And when, you know, you drive a very people-first agenda because we're all selling a product, but, you know, when you're in professional services, you're actually selling your people. And so, you know, whereas when I was at Deloitte, I ran a very people-first agenda. Now, what I've been saying is I'd like to run a very player-first agenda because that's important, too, to be empathetic about the player experience, which isn't where it needs to be today. So it's all interrelated and, and similar, similar business issues. And then empathy drives uh, the trust and the authenticity that you were talking about and Alicia and I have spoken about many times. Let's talk about women in leadership. I know it's an issue that is very important to each of you. Maybe I'll start and, and, you know, talk a little bit with, with Kathy about, you know, your career so far, um, which I always like to talk about career and kind of take us all the way back to our childhood, because I do think that, you know, there are so many things that we can take away from our childhood that positioned us well for kind of where we are today. And, you know, because there still remains such few women in leadership positions and we're so often trying to uh, inspire others and to almost give them that playbook because people want to know, how did you do it? And, you know, what was your journey like? I mean, you started, you know, you were an athlete growing up, yes. um, you know, an incredible um, collegiate athlete at Lehigh University, basketball in the cross. I'd love to start there. Yeah, sure. Talk about how being an athlete readied you for what your career became post-college. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm also one of eight kids with five brothers and a father who actually was drafted by the Detroit Pistons in 1957. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then played in college for a now Naismith Hall of Fame coach, Muffet McGraw. So you might say this was in my DNA from the beginning. Um, and so just growing up with five brothers, I competed from the day I was born, whether it was for Pop-Tarts and cereal or time with the parents. And, you know, my, my father worked three jobs to send eight children through college. And my mother never got to go to college back in the you know, 50s. Um, and so it's been, that's, that's really been a lot of what shaped my competitiveness, I'd say, mm -hmm. because of the way sports has changed mm -hmm. with year-round and pick one sport even at the high school level, which drives me a little bit crazy. But um, because I'm about agility, agility in business, agility in athletics and multiple sports. Talk to any famous athlete, they'll say, 
I played multiple sports growing up, and it helped my agility to become the best at what I do today. Um, but really, that framed it. I actually went to a college that at the time was four to one male to female. Mm-hmm. I joined a profession that was, you know, 92% male partners at the time in 1986. Mm-hmm. So if you look at, you know, I was always competing in this very male-dominated world, including at home, including at college, and including in the business world. And things have changed, thankfully. I thankfully had some sponsors at Deloitte who pounded the table unknowingly to me to say, Kathy needs to build her capability more broadly. She needs to run a business. She needs to be on big clients. She needs to have exposure um, in different parts, become more technical. And so I was fortunate. I didn't even know I had the sponsor behind the scenes who kind of kept a dashboard on me of, and said I was like, it was red, yellow, green, and I was red on three areas. So I was like, glad he never showed it to me because I'm like, <laughs> I wasn't red in those areas. But, you know, so all of that, you know, ultimately. And the, but the one thing I talk to uh, young women and men all the time about is I never aspired to be CEO or commissioner for that matter. I aspired to lead. And when you aspire to lead, you raise the people behind you to become the next generation leaders. Because you know, the one piece of advice I got was actually from uh, Condoleezza Rice when I first started as the CEO of Deloitte. And she said, Kathy, you're not going to be the CEO there forever. One of your number one goals should be to bring the next generation of leaders behind you. So that when I was done, And I didn't realize I'd be moving on to sports, but when I was ready for my next role, um, you know, succession was such an important part of leadership. And a lot of leaders today don't see that. And I just got really good advice around that. And so that was really my path. So there's things that that I've heard from you as you sort of describe Kathy to all of us. Um, I've heard teamwork. I've heard collaboration. I've heard empathy looking at the next generation and how you will bring them forward. I mean, these are all incredible things that you think about, not so much in the given role that you're necessarily aligned to, but as a leader and what you feel is your responsibility, not as a woman in business, yes. but as a leader in business that I think um, all of us can can learn and be inspired by. Yeah, and there's a lot of things you learn along the way. Like I learned spreadsheets never yield a good answer for women by the way. Um, and so people who run all these spreadsheets and they look at numbers and and so, you know, you've got to be empathetic about what's the analysis you're trying to solve. What is your, coming back to your core values and principles, um, again, in a people-first agenda, what is the right thing to do for your people, for the different generations? I mean, when you have 100,000 people and you're thinking, you know, policies, I've put in a family leave policy, but we originally ran a spreadsheet that said, it's going to cost too much to put in a, a industry-leading family leave policy. And I said, but it's the right thing to do. Right. And so it's built loyalty. It's built empathy. It's built change people's lives who were able to take that time off to care for a sick child or parent. Um, so elaborate on that comment you just made that spreadsheets don't yield the best result for women. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at a lot of policies today that are being promulgated, and they're usually based on some kind of economic analysis that just looks at numbers on a page, looks at historical value. And I have a strong belief that that doesn't take into account the intangibles that a diverse workforce, a diverse set of uh, thought will bring into a room. And so if you're just looking at economics, we're never going to lift, whether it's women, whether it's um, underrepresented minorities, whether uh, whatever uh, cohort group you're looking at. And so that's like one of the things we did at Deloitte. We kind of looked at inclusion more carefully than diversity to make sure we were getting all of 
the benefits of, but a spreadsheet would have told us, don't do that. Um, and so that's what I mean by that, Michael. And Alicia, it looks like you're going to get the last word. I couldn't agree more with what Kathy is saying. I mean, especially when she she talks about the power of inclusion. Um, you know, we've got over 480,000 customers around the world. And when we create technology, we have to have it appeal to over 480,000 customers wow. across 180 countries. The only way for us to be able to do that successfully is to make sure that we have diversity in the employees who are accountable for interacting and understanding our customers and then building the very technology that's going to sit inside their organizations. And so when you can build an inclusive workforce, then you can build a company that's really going to have that ability to deliver the success that's that's needed on behalf of your customers. And I think Beyond anything else, I think that is the greatest leadership characteristic that we can bring to our organizations today is is understanding really the role of inclusion in your companies um, and creating a workforce that's just representative of the world that we live in today. Fantastic. Kathy Engelbert, thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. And Alicia Tillman, thank you. Thanks so much, Michael. Michael. 